0: This is WMPG, my name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a live forum for the courageous discussion of sensitive subjects. Tonight is the second in our series about transgender issues. Tonight we're going to be talking about Trans 101, an introduction to my guest tonight is Alex Roan. Alex is the Executive Director of Maine Transgender Network. He has a master's degree in counseling. He's also finishing up a Ph.D. in human services with a focus in counseling. Alex facilitates trans support groups here in Portland and also in Orono. Welcome to Safe Space.
1: Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here.
0: So I, wanna, I know you're about to host a conference um, on Friday, March 25th, about transgender issues. Yes, we are. And I, I think you are the one who's actually giving the Trans 101 talk. Is that right? I am. So maybe you could give us the kind of the Cliff Notes version of of Trans One Hundred and One. What are what are some of the maybe start out with the definitions? What are what are some of the words mean like transgender, transsexual, cross dressing? How do we understand that?
1: Okay. Well, the first thing that I think I would want to make clear is just um, the differences in a few concepts, and those are sex, gender, gender expression, and sexual orientation. Okay. Um, and I think it can be confusing when you try to think about all of them, but it's important to realize that those four concepts are all different. So when we talk about sex, we're really talking about measurable characteristics that determine whether someone is male or female or intersex. Um, so, measurable
0: mean like body Sure. So, yeah. an,
1: so physical anatomy is an easy one. Chromosomes um, or hormones could also fall under that category. Um, Gender, or gender identity, though, is is more um, a sense of identity, a sense of self as male or female, and it's really um, complicated to explain what exactly that means, and I'm not even really sure if I have an answer to that, but it's really about a person's sense of their own identity as male or female. Um, And then gender identity, however, is different from gender expression, which is more about the way you express yourself, either with clothing, um, mannerisms. Um, it's very cultural, usually. Um, what's considered masculine or feminine in our culture might not be considered masculine or feminine in another culture. So if I think about, like, well, what does it mean to be a man? I might think of Homer Simpson, um, who drinks beer and has a big belly and is loud and obnoxious. Um, and, of course, are, are all men like that? Like, I certainly hope not, but that might be what I think of when I think of men. Um, so that that's just one form of gender expression. Um, gender expression can really vary depending on the person and, and, like I said, the culture or even the time period and doesn't necessarily match up with gender identity, um, which I also think is a little bit confusing. So if someone identifies as male or female, they're probably going to have a lot of characteristics um, in the way they act, in the way they express themselves, or the way they dress that that aligns with being Male or female, if they're, you know, with masculinity or femininity, but not necessarily. Does that make sense? Yes,
0: right. So all three of them can move independently. Yes. Yes. And we may have assumptions about sex is the same as gender, and clearly what the transgender experience shows is those two things are not necessarily the same.
1: Yes, definitely. Okay. Um, And then just the last concept in in those four. I guess is sexual orientation which um, I only bring up to say that this is what we're not talking about (laughs) I think that a lot of people get confused between sexual orientation and gender identity but they're really not related Um, sexual orientation is more about a person's outward attraction um, sexually or romantically um, whereas gender identity is is really an internal sense of self Um, and when you think about transgender issues um, Sexual orientation tends to get really complicated um, because it really assumes that there's a binary and that there's male and female and that's it. Um, and I, I like to tell a story about this couple that I know that um, both started life as female. They were they grew up as girls and mm-hmm. um, and started a relationship in their adolescence. Um, and then one came out as being transgender. Um, And transitioned physically and and so they were perceived as a lesbian couple and now all of a sudden they were perceived as a heterosexual couple Um, And interestingly enough then the other partner after watching The first partner transition said you know like watching your process has really helped me realize that I myself also Identify as transgender and so he transitioned and now they're perceived as a gay couple (laughs) <laughs> so, so they've
0: experienced it all
1: Right, so when you think about where along the line do you, um you know where do you label someone lesbian and then heterosexual and then gay does it depend on their bodies or what hormones are in them I really don't have an answer to that and I don't think there really is one set answer
0: Right, I mean that's in some ways that's part of what I've been learning as I've been reading about reading transgender books and articles in preparation for the series is that we tend to think of things in very, you know, male-female categories and that actually our understanding of these things is far more fluid. There's really much more of a spectrum.
1: Right. Yeah, it's it's hard to do this on the radio, but when I'm talking in front of people, I usually draw a spectrum on, on the blackboard or something with with arrows so that we can think of gender as more of a continuum than of um, just two boxes, male or female.
0: Yes. And so then I have a few more definitions I want to throw out. So what are the differences between transgender, transsexual, and cross-dressing?
1: That's a really good question. Um so transgender is more of an umbrella term that encompasses any person whose gender identity does not match with their sex as assigned at birth. Um, so that's really a wide range of folks. So that might
0: include a whole bunch of people. Yes. Right.
1: Um, transsexual is more of a, of a narrow category, um, which refers to someone who wants to take um, medical steps to physically align their body with their gender identity. Um so I myself would be both transgender and transsexual. Um, I usually use the term transgender because it sounds more polite. <laughs> um, but because it
0: doesn't have a sexual word in it, is that what you yes, mean? Yes, I
1: think people are scared of uh, yes. the S-E-X word. Yes. Um, right, so transsexual is, is more specific.
0: And when you say medical steps, do you, do you mean... Again, there's of course, there's a spectrum, right? People take steps to, you know, facial surgery to look more one gender or another, but they don't necessarily have surgery to change their genitals. So the, it, does transsexual have to mean you've gone, taken, you know, complete gender reassignment, or could it mean all kinds of gradations in between?
1: Um the second choice. It could really mean a lot of different things, and it depends on the person. Um, not all people who are transsexual want to have every possible medical intervention. Um, some might. Um, some might want to, but might not be able to afford to. So people are really all along a continuum, um, and it can mean a number of different things.
0: Right, because I'm imagining that managed care doesn't cover this surgery.
1: No, it doesn't. There have been a few rare cases where, in different states where people have had their insurance companies cover um, treatment, but usually uh, people are paying out of pocket.
0: I can imagine. Okay, so I want to ask you now. Oh, a cross-dressing. We didn't finish oh, that Oh, right.
1: So cross-dressers may identify as transgender, and many don't. Um, Cross-dressing describes more of a behavior um, and just really refers to people who like to wear the clothing of what's considered the opposite sex, um, either for self-expression. Some might do it for sexual reasons. Um, Yeah.
0: I see. So... And when you say some do or don't identify as transgender, so the, is that because the reasons for why they're cross dressing might differ?
1: Yeah, I think some some people might cross dress um, because they really feel like there's a part of themselves that um, doesn't align with their bodies and that they're they're expressing themselves. Um, whereas you know other people might do it more as a hobby, right? <laughs> um, or something might... that's
0: a turn on for them. Right. Say. Yeah. I see. Okay. Thank you. It's really helpful. Um, so so now I want to switch a little bit to something that's near and dear to my own heart, which is about the relationship between the mental health world and the transgender community. Um, certainly for me as a psychiatrist, I received essentially zero hours of training in anything to do with transgender issues. You know, we had to memorize the DSM to pass our boards, and so I learned about gender identity disorder. But, you know, I'm curious, how does the trans community even feel about that diagnosis?
1: Um, there's definitely a long history of conflict between the trans community and the mental health profession. Um, many, well, I don't know if I, probably most transgender people would feel that being transgender is not a disorder, it's just a way of being. Um, and it's unfortunate that it's something that's pathologized um, within the DSM. However, um, some people say that in order to get treatment, we need to have some sort of label. And so this is going to be it. Um, I feel that it's unfortunate that it's not just um, in the, uh, what is it, the ICD, the physicians? um, ICD-9 or
0: DSM-4 is for for mental Uh, health. Right.
1: I wish it wasn't considered a, a mental disorder because, you know, it really is the only thing in the DSM that you that the treatment is to sort of go along with it and not to try to get rid of it if hmm. if that makes sense so hmm.
0: that's interesting. I'm quickly scanning through the various diagnosis to see if that makes sense right and, and right so the treatment is to actually support it and to work with it as opposed to try to cure it
1: right yep right there's no research that shows that um, trying to suppress it or, or get rid of it. Um, has ever worked. Um, and in fact, there's a lot of evidence that people that have tried to um, suppress the fact that they're transgender or, or go through treatment to make them, quote, normal, um, have actually been harmed um, in the long term.
0: And I, So I'm unaware about that. When you say there's a lot of evidence, like, has this been formally studied?
1: Um, there are some studies, and I, I, I can't quote them off the top don't, of my head. don't um, worry. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of personal reports, um, just people writing their stories about um, going through treatment and, and trying to erase their, um, their feelings that they're really the opposite sex um, or whose parents uh, might want them to conform to whatever they feel is a more appropriate gender expression. Um, and it has not gone well.
0: It feels complicated to me and because it feels like in our culture there is suffering associated with this, but it's not because it's an illness. It's because of the stigma and, and prejudice in our culture, presumably. Yes. Is that fair to say? Or? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to to sort of pathologize the person as opposed to acknowledging the level of misunderstanding and bias that there is in our culture is a, is an extra burden on the person.
1: It is. And it's, it's tough as a practitioner when you get a client who is transgender who might have a series of other issues um, to to realize that a lot of these might be because of the stigma that, and the oppression that they've had to deal with their entire lives of not fitting into the norm. Um, and, and so not automatically associating being transgender with all of these other problems but realizing that they're just byproducts of... Um, of what society is doing in many cases, although not every trans person, um, of course, would have those uh, those accompanying issues.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I know I'm curious. You know, in the I understand there's something called the Benjamin standards of care, which is part of, kind of like the, the what's considered to be the standard of care and the treatment of someone who's wanting to transition. Is that right?
1: Yep. Um, Tell so me a little bit about that. The standards of care. Um, were created by the, uh, it's called WPATH, the World Professional Association of Transgender Health. Um, And they were formerly um, called the Harry Benjamin something, something, something. So that's why people know them as the uh, Benjamin Standards. Um, And they were created in um, 1979, I believe. And they just provide an outline for uh, mental health and providers and physicians um, of the criteria that patients should be meeting in order to proceed with any physical interventions. So it used to be that, in order to have hormone treatment, you'd have to go a whole year of living in the gender that you feel you are before a doctor would even you know see you um, Luckily, now they've realized that that can be really difficult for some people who might not fit in as the gender they feel they are without treatment um so so th- so now it's it's a little bit less strict, but um, most doctors will require um a transgender patient to bring a letter from from a mental health provider that says that they've assessed this person um, and that they are transgender and that they're likely to um, follow the physician's recommendations and, and make an informed decision.
0: I see. So that's what the letters got it because I was recently approached about writing a letter like that and I was so curious what it was supposed to include. So it's supposed to include that the assessment that the person is truly transgender, the idea that they will comply with treatment.
1: Yeah, or that it's likely that they will comply. Um, And just that the person really understands the risks and benefits of treatment and that they have a realistic idea of what um, hormone treatment or surgery will do for them.
0: Yeah. So I want to ask you, that feels like a perfect segue to actually ask you more about your own story. But before we move on, I want to just ask you, you know, since you have this moment to teach me as a psychiatrist, are there things that you feel especially that mental health practitioners really need to know about transgender issues?
1: Um, Yes. A few things. Um, First, I think it's really important for providers to realize that in Maine, there are very, very few, if any, experts um, on transgender issues. So I know a lot of people that have tried to find a therapist who will tell them, you know, I don't know anything about this. You'll have to go to Boston or New York or, you know, or something outrageous where, I mean, most people aren't going to travel to Boston every other week to see a therapist. Um, So I think it's really important for providers to be open-minded in learning about what they need to know in order to work with a trans person because there really aren't many experts here. So it's going to need to be you if you have a trans client, or at least that would be ideal. Um, The other thing that I would really want providers to know is not to make assumptions or try your best not to make them. Um, Every transgender person is different, like any person, and everyone has their own story and their own goals, and it's really the provider's job to help figure out what is this person's specific goals, what are they looking to do, and how can I help them get there? And just because you may have had one transgender client, it doesn't mean the next one is going to have the same goals or the same background. Um, So really just trying not to make assumptions, um, as you would for any client. Um, And then I had a third thing that, that is flying out of my head.
0: It'll come back to you. I, I, I invite you to interrupt something else we're saying when it, when it occurs to you later on in the interview. Okay, sure. Okay? Because I want to use our time now to switch. This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne. This is Safe Space. And I'm talking to Alex Roan about uh, Transgender Issues 101. And, and I, I want to ask you now a little bit about your own story. Um, when do you remember that you first became aware that your gender was different than your sex?
1: Um, in my case, as soon as I realized that there were differences between boys and girls, I know that I felt like a boy. Um, I was, you know, I was designated female at birth, and so my family and, and the world expected that I would be a little girl and grow up and become a woman and probably be a mother and um, and stuff like that. But that never really worked out so well. Um, I just remember feeling different than the other girls around me, but not knowing why. Um, but just having a sense of discomfort whenever I thought of myself as female, um, which was strange because I didn't have the vocabulary for for this. I didn't know what transgender meant. I didn't know that transgender people existed. Um, so figuring that out was was a long process. But as early as I can remember is when I knew.
0: Which is often like around three or four years old, I I'm imagine. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And um, how old were you when you finally had the courage or even the language to begin telling someone about what you were feeling
1: well um, growing up all through high school I I didn't even realize that I knew any gay or lesbian people let alone transgender people Um, and so I I really never thought that there was an option for me other than what I was sort of thrown into um, which was really depressing at the time and made my adolescence pretty difficult but but it wasn't really until college where I had the opportunity to meet another transgender person and listen to his story um, that I realized that I really connected with this person. Um, and so from there, I started to learn more about what being transgender met, meant. Um, I, I tried to meet a lot of other trans people and just and listen to their stories. And the more I learned, the more I realized, like, you know, I really feel like I fit in this category. And if I want to live a happy and authentic life, like, maybe this is something that I should be seriously thinking about.
0: And was it, was there, I mean, how was that for you emotionally to have your first conversation with a trans person? Like, was it exciting? Was it terrifying? Was it a, sort of a combination of both? How, how?
1: Yes, um, all, all of <laughs> the above. Um, I guess at first I was just very interested, but I but I still thought that this was nothing that I could ever do um, because it just seemed so extreme, and I, I really worried about what my family would think. Um, I just... I mean I was in college, so I was away from my hometown and I just sort of pictured like what would all the people back home think about me if if I if I transitioned and, and the world started perceiving me as male and it just seemed like something that I could never ever do so at first, I, I thought I was just learning to fulfill an intellectual curiosity um, but of course, it was more than that um, and the more I learned. And the more I talked to people, I started to realize that these were all just regular people with families and jobs. And they had the usual problems that every person has. Um, And they weren't superheroes or, or, you know, anyone totally unlike me. And so when I started to just see that these are just regular everyday people, and if they could transition and, and, and start to become happier and be themselves, then, you know, why can't I?
0: And um you know you we talked a little bit before the show and you had mentioned that as a leader of these various support groups one of the issues that comes up a lot is the experience with family and friends and mm-hmm. so I'm curious um how it went for you when you did share it with your family
1: Um they've really come a long way right now my my parents are probably my biggest fans and I'm very very lucky um to have a very supportive family Um At the beginning, though, they didn't take it very well, uh, mostly because I think they were afraid, um, because I had done all this thinking and all this research about transgender issues, and all of a sudden I was just throwing this at them, and they they hadn't had the time that I had to really process this. And so all of a sudden it was just this big thing they had to deal with. Um, And so their first reaction was to say, no, this isn't true. Um, You're not transgender. You're, You're just, you know, confused and... Uh, maybe if you get some therapy or think about this more, you'll figure things out and, and become normal. And, and maybe maybe you could just be a lesbian. Um, but no, that's not really how it worked. Um, I was very lucky, though, that my parents were open-minded enough to talk to other parents of transgender people. Um, they talked to a mental health provider in their area about, like to learn more about what being transgender meant. Um and I think once they realized that this wasn't going to be the end of the world, I wasn't going to have a, a tragic, horrible life um full of hardship well you know unless unless I ran into those things myself um, and that transgender people were just normal everyday people um they started to accept it more and more um
0: so what what part of what I'm hearing you say is that part of their response was in some ways fear because they love you and they didn't want you to suffer.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Um, when you think about when are transgender people in the media, it's really mostly negative reasons. Like you hear about transgender people being murdered a lot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and transgender people do face, um, you know, in a disproportionate amount of, um, of violence. Um, but when your only associations of transgender issues are, are like people who get murdered, of course, you're going to be like, no parent very scared for their, for your child if, yes. if your child is in this situation. Um, you know, but the everyday, like, you know, the transgender guy who's, like, an accountant and has a dog and a white picket fence, like, isn't going to make the newspapers so people don't think about him. Um,
0: right. And so maybe that's a, that's a good moment to switch because, you know, if I I met you today for the first time, and I would never know. I know that people can't see you as I can, but I would never know that you were trans. You'd look like a regular guy. Um <laughs> And uh, you know I'm interested to know you, you are that accountant with behind white <laughs> at this point. To huh. me, that's how you present. And I'm curious what that's like for you now.
1: Um, it's definitely been an interesting journey. Um, I'm, I'm glad that that people perceive me as male because that's how I perceive myself and that's how I want to be seen. However, um, in my case, being transgender is, a, is an important part of my identity. Um, And it's something that anyone who is friends with me, um, I I want them to know, um, because I think being socialized female and growing up as a girl has really shaped my experience um, as the man that I am today. Um, And so it's not something I want to hide.
0: So often this is what women, straight women want of their husbands, right? (laughs) More socialization as a girl. But go on.
1: (laughs) I hadn't thought of that. Um,
0: Many women would pay for that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so, so I'm glad that, that people see me the way I see myself. But it's sometimes I wish that um, you know maybe I could wear a T-shirt that says "Hello, I'm transgender," um, or something, so that so that it would be easier for people to know that. And and you know I wouldn't really wear that T-shirt, but um, it's just interesting that an important part of my identity is something that's so hidden um yeah but i but i do think that overall i do feel lucky that um i am able to be seen as i see myself i
0: imagine that there was also a transition right I'm, that as you were as you were transitioning to be to be male outwardly as well as inwardly that maybe it was a little bit more obvious visually
1: yes definitely um when i first started taking hormones um i was sort of in this ambiguous state where people couldn't tell um what gender i was and People really want to know what gender everyone is that they see in everyday life, and so i 'd get just constant double takes and strange looks, um, sometimes hostile looks. Um, I always tried to avoid groups of teenage boys because um, you know they would always have comments and, and things uh, to say um, so I, so I would be very nervous every time I had to to go out in public because i didn 't know what people would think or how i 'd be perceived, um, and it was something that I constantly worried about.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, so it feels like there's this kind of mixed experience. On the one hand, now, you don't have to worry, but there's also this loss because now this this is hidden in a way that it was much more obvious before.
1: Yeah, exactly. At least
0: temporarily, yes. So when you did start on hormones, you know, I think women often wonder, uh, biological women often wonder, what, it is, what is, you know, about testosterone? <laughs> <laughs> and you are in a unique position to really speak to that. You know, how do you feel like your thinking, and you know, changed being on testosterone?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I just want to uh, reemphasize that I'm totally just speaking for myself here because everyone has a very different experience. Fair enough. I honestly don't feel like my thinking has changed very much. Um, I I hear a lot of trans men say that they feel like they're more emotionally closed off or they experience more anger and, and, you know, don't cry. But I really didn't go through that. In fact, I I think I feel more in touch with my emotions now that I'm more comfortable being myself. Um, So... Now I do feel comfortable crying if you know at, at cheesy movies or, or things like that um which might not be typical uh masculine behavior in our culture but but that's okay with me. Um so I really don't think my my thinking has has changed too much.
0: Um do you feel I'm interested also if you feel more powerful?
1: Um I I don't know if I'd put it that way. I have noticed that um, the world does treat me differently. Um, being, I was at a convenience store and there were um, a man and a woman behind the counter, and the man was just making derogatory comments towards the woman in like a joking way, but then like looking at me and trying like making eye contact as if we shared this joke, and I just felt totally uncomfortable because I didn't think what he was saying was funny, and I didn't like him assuming that because I'm a man I must, you know, have this like bond with him, which which I didn't. And so I didn't know what to do in that situation. I can imagine. So just little things like that.
0: My, we're going to have to end in a minute. Um, so I just I want to ask you, I know that people are always so curious about testosterone and libido. Do you feel like your sex drive really changed?
1: Um, yeah, hormones do drive uh, sex drive a lot, yes. When I started taking testosterone, I did notice a difference for sure. Um, however, it's hard to say how much of that is hormone-related and how much of it is... Um, accepting myself and my body the way that I I want to um, and then i guess having having that drive things if that makes sense.
0: Right. It's like your overall sense of comfort and identity felt like it was so much more congruent if you felt right Right. So, so I, I i think
1: that also played a big part. The
0: conference not only for trans individuals their family and friends but also for healthcare and mental health care providers. I urge you to look up look that up and go. There's a lot of really wonderful um workshops that will be there if you want to listen to the show it's in, it, in its entirety in the future or email it to someone you can go to the website at radio.com. you can subscribe to weekly alerts about the topic as well as um, get podcasts through itunes next week i'm going to be interviewing nick teich about uh, camp for trans youth and my thanks tonight to jen hodston for the meat mu- for the music we're going to have a new song listen in just a surprise coming <laughs> And also coming up next is Covering the Bases with Thaddeus.
1: Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Don't be a drag, just be a queen. Mm. Give yourself prudence and love your friends so we can rejoice the truth.